I don't think you can say it enough. We literally wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. So big thanks to each and every one of you. Uh, all the pain that we put you through. Thank you for being here. And I was thinking, you know, I was, I was reviewing that with like, the story of my mom. How do you get there, though? Like, how do you get there as a person of faith, man or woman, where you're praising God in the mid middle of a painful surgery, where you're praising God in the middle of a dead-end job, where you're praising God while raising a strong-willed child? How do you get there? Well, it's exactly what, uh, what he was... I was talking about, it's exactly what Hannah did. We're going to take a little bit of time just to look at the Hannah in the Old Testament. Some of us might be familiar with Hannah. She couldn't have a child, and yet at the end of her story, we read in 1 Samuel 1, 27 through 28, she says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, which I asked of him. Therefore, I have also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and they worship the Lord there. How do you get there? Where you could literally take, as these families did here, the most precious possession you have and give them to the Lord in full and complete surrender. How do you get there? Well, we got to rewind the tape. We want to get to that place of dedicated love where Hannah was at. We got to rewind the tape and see how she worked through the challenges that she faced. As I mentioned, she didn't, she couldn't have children, but she decided that what's first determines what's next, so I'm going to put God first, even in the middle of my pain. In fact, you can fill that in in the top of your notes. We have paper notes here and the tables around us, and we also have digital notes if you'd like to follow along, but this is the principle we learned here from Hannah, what's first determines what's next. For instance, What's first if you don't put the lid on the smoothie blender and your two-year-old comes over, what happens next? Well, I think this is what happens next. And can we just celebrate all the moms who are, Cindy was just trying to make a smoothie for the boys and then Justice is like, ooh, you know, and he's just tall enough to like, you know, flip the switch and smoothie all over his face and all over the counter. And, and Cindy's like, ah, welcome to motherhood, right? And uh, that, was, uh, that was five boys in, and we were still figuring it out. We are still figuring it out. But I love this quote here, motherhood is, is an, an, the exquisite inconvenience of being another person's everything. And the only way that you can be a good mom or a good dad or a good aunt or a good uncle or a good mentor or a good friend is if you make Christ your everything because we will run out. You get a couple of those smoothie messes and your patience can go from here to here. Right? And instead of being loving towards those that are in your life that you're supposed to be cared for, you have nothing left for them. This is why it's so important that we understand a dedicated love has to be dedicated to God first. What's first determines what's next. So if I put my love for my children or even my wife ahead of my love for God, I will run out. It'll determine what's next for my life and what's next is not gonna be good. The only way to do this well when life is a mess is to make sure we put God first. So if you're here right now, you're watching online right now and your life is a mess, you're here at church first of all, so congratulations. It takes a whole lot just to get here, or just to make sure you're prioritizing time at home. So I'm thankful that each of you are here. And by the way, if you are new here, or it's been a while since you've been here, we have these connect cards that are underneath your seat. 
Um, there's also prayer cards on the other side. We'd love to agree with you in prayer. We'd also love to be able to give you a free gift, and you can drop it in that box on the way out. Grab yourself a free gift on that Connect counter out there. We would love to be able to connect with you. But in order to put God first, we have to do this, and this is our first point. We have to make sure we're dedicated to taking all the words to God first. You know all the words. Not just the words outside, but the words inside. I don't know what words were going through my wife's head when that smoothie went off, but I'm sure they were all loving. Absolutely, completely loving because she is amazing, amazing mom. But we have to make sure we're taking all the words to God first. Now, Hannah, poor Hannah, she grew up, and in that time it was, it was normal for a man to have more than one wife. And so she, she uh, grew up, and her husband had, had two wives, Hannah, and had another wife that just would not let up. Because she was having babies, and in those days, a woman's worth was largely tied to how many children you were able to give your husband. Hannah's womb was closed. She wasn't able to have children. Every year when they would bring their sacrifices to Shiloh, to God's holy house, she would plead with God, God, please grant me a child. Why this disgrace? Why have you done this to me? She would bring that to the Lord. And we can see here in 1 Samuel 1, 9 through 11, it says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Now here's the amazing thing. According to Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, uh, Samuel was already a Levite. A Levite was already a family that's dedicated to God. So she doubles down on the dedication. You and I could have easily said, I don't need to dedicate my son to the Lord. He's already dedicated to the Lord. They're a family set apart. They're the Levites. They already belong to God. But she is so dedicated to God first that she doubles down. She gives a double dedication. Because Levites dedicated themselves between age 30 and age 50. She's actually saying, I'm going to give my son that you're going to give me God, I'm going to give him to you for his entire life. So this is no half-hearted dedication. This is no bargaining plea with God. If you give me this, I'll do this. No, this shows Hannah's heart was absolutely for God first. She wanted the privilege of bearing a son that she could present the most beautiful and precious gift ever given to her back into the Lord's hands. What a, what a heart of faith. This is amazing. But she had to work through the words first. What words? Well, let's just take a quick look at this. It's time to trade all those words that you've been hearing for God's word. Before she could hear a promise from God, she had to deal with Penaniah, who would year after year make fun of her because God kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. This other woman in the house was cruel instead of kind. So what is she bringing God? She's having a conversation with Jesus. She's talking to Jesus. She's pulling out her journal and she's saying, hey God, you hear what Penaniah is saying about me. I'm bringing those words to you. What about her husband? This, this makes me laugh every single time I read this verse. Her husband, Elkanah, was like, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? I mean, you have me. 
Come on, isn't that better than having 10 sons? <laughs> isn't that a classic man fix, right? The man's like, he's trying to fix his wife. She's always crying like, hey, you got me, baby. What more could you want, right? I just laugh at that every single time because there are guys, believe it or not, there are some things that you and I simply cannot provide for our wives. There are some things that they can only receive from the Lord. And Elkanah, he loved her, but he was missing the point. Completely, and then it, as, so, so Hannah had to bring those words. My husband doesn't even understand the anguish of my heart. God, I bring you those words. Here's my husband and my covering. He doesn't even understand what I'm going through. And then if, as if that wasn't enough, then she needs to bring the words of her pastor, her covering, Eli, the priest. Now, there was already corruption. His sons were sleeping around with women that were bringing their sacrifices to the temple, and he was just looking the other way. So there was already corruption. But then Eli sees her praying. Her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out and automatically assumes she's drunk and says, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. So here, here's her spiritual covering and he wasn't even discerning what it is that she was going through. Here's the guy that should have come along and recognized a woman of faith, a woman in anguish, and instead he accuses her of being drunk, which I can only assume was more commonplace than a woman in intercession during that time under his spiritual leadership. And Hannah showed unmatched restraint with her words. She didn't attack Penaniah. She didn't attack her husband. She didn't attack Eli. She brought all those words straight to the throne and said, God, I need your word above these words. I'm seeking your word over these words. And what I have to ask you today is, what words have been spoken to you that you need to get rid of? What people in your life, even from positions of influence, even relatives or friends or coworkers or employees have spoken things over you that you need to trade because those words are keeping you from his word. Put God's word first. What words are competing with God's word right now? That's our community builder discussion question for you, for your families to talk through maybe at lunch today, for you at home. What's a daily rhythm you can start today to put God first? And of course, as I shared, you know, my mom, her journals, I would, every day I would see her journaling. Cindy, journaling, setting that example for our boys. We want you guys, we want to invite you guys, you can grab one of these for free at the Connect counter out there. It has what you can read every single day and an opportunity to just get into that daily rhythm where you're getting into God's word and making sure you're giving this preeminence and priority over every other word that's being spoken to you right now. It's a really great way to just get yourself into a daily rhythm. We're gonna have words like Hannah that are, are putting us down, that are kicking us while we're down, that are completely missing the point. You put God's word first and I promise you, you hear what God has said, you're gonna hear what God is saying. So I wanna encourage you to grab one of these on your way out at the Connect counter right there. So we're dedicated to taking all the words to God first. Secondly, dedicated to taking God at his word first. So now that she had gotten those words out of the way, she could receive a word from the Lord. And I believe God has a word for you today. Some of you came here today because it's Mother's Day, but some of you came here today because you need a word from God, your circumstance and situation. So did Hannah. First Samuel 1, 17 through 18, she got it. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. 
Hannah said, let your maidservant find grace and favor in your sight. So the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And the very next verse said, they rose early in the morning and worshiped. What's first determines what's next. Was she pregnant immediately? No, no. She hadn't received the answer, but she received the promise. And that was the same thing to Hannah. The promise was the same as the answer because of the one that gave it to her. She trusted God's word more than her circumstances, more than her emotions. Too many of us are making permanent decisions based on temporary emotions, and we need to make our permanent decisions based on a permanent promise of God. Bring those two things together, and you have a way forward. So Hannah, she, still, she wasn't pregnant yet, but she received a word from God, and that's all she needed. And some of us, we've given up on the words from God that have been given to us, and God wants you to grab those things back today, putting God's word first, dedicating to taking him at his word. Do you believe that if God said it, he will do it? Do you? Well, we all get shaken in our faith, especially as parents. There's nothing more joyful and challenging than parenting. And there's been multiple times where Cindy and I have needed to go back to the promises he gave us for our children when we're looking at the exact opposite happening in front of us. We've had to believe that God's word is more real than what we feel. What's first determines what's next. Our community builder discussion question here is, what has God promised you about your children that has yet to come to pass? Now, some of you are in here like, uh, I don't have kids. What about your promise? What has God promised you? What has God promised you about your future? Grab a hold of that promise again. Whatever it's caused you to, to let go and drop that, you grab that up again today because if God said it, he will do it. Put the promise first and the problem second and see what God does. Did you hear that? Put the promise first, the problem second. You're never going to have a promise without a problem. Those two go hand in hand. Make sure this is always first. That's what Hannah had to do. That's what Barbara Christensen had to do. I'd like to, you guys to welcome up with me Barbara Christensen. She's going to share with us a couple minutes about what it means to persevere in parenting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, John, for allowing me to share something that is very dear to my heart, and that is the greatest um, discovery and challenge that I've received as a mom. And I, by far, this is it. You ready? <laughs> I want to give the verse because it's come boldly into the throne room of grace, confidently to receive grace in time of need. And that has been, from day one, my verse to come in to um, trust in God. In that throne room is... Um, where we leave our burdens and our cares. And that's a place that we want to go to a lot for our kids. And the thing of it is, we're not beasts of burden. We don't have little backpacks on our back. We're sheep, so you don't see them with backpacks on because God wants us to be free of the burdens on our back. So <clears throat> it's my greatest lesson as a mom. I uh, wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, had a lot of handicaps that were in place for me. I was married at 16, just lost my husband last year, 55 years. Married at 16, first child at 20, and there's my firstborn child right there, Stacy. 
And my second-born child was one of, the, one of the co-founders of this church, Tracy Doherty. Um, so I've been at prayer a long time, but not um, raised in a Christian home. So married at 16, first child at 20. There was mental illness in our family line, in our tr family tree, where, and this sounds pretty dramatic, but it's just the truth, two aunts, one uncle institutionalized from teenage years until they died. And mental illness was manifesting in my life in my 20s. So um, think of this. As the Lord brought a search and rescue team to my home, and two strangers led me to Christ. Um, and it was just a snowball of grace after me for my family. It was like 20-plus people became Christians after me. So it was really the biggest grace that I had to learn was forgiving my own mom because there was infidelity, there was divorce. So when grace happened to me, I needed to forgive my mom. That was really apparent that that needed to happen. Well, God's grace is greater than mom guilt. It's greater than mom wounds that were inflicted on me or I inflicted on my own kids. God's grace is bigger than the mess that we get into, and he comes after us. And that's what he did. He brought a search and rescue team to my home. So this, these two evangelists got me in the local church, and they connected me with the old church ladies, and they were like a holy hub around me, a holy huddle, actually. And they taught me the greatest lesson in my life, and that was about the grace of God. And they just stayed with me till I really learned how to love my kids, how to pray for them, and how to be um, a Christian. I learned how to do life as a Christian from those godly older women. And I learned to forgive my mother for infidelity, and she became a Christian. She was part of that 20 people that came to Christ. And so grace has been um, my signature verse for whatever is going on. To run into the, boldly, into the throne room of grace to receive what I need every day. I mean, that's the uh, rhythm, the daily rhythm, as, as John's going to talk about. It brought um, such a joy to my life. It changed me dramatically, and transformed my mind, and my mind needed transforming, and made me a mom and a grandma that is really about praying for my kids and, and my grandkids, and hopefully soon, Stacy will have a great-grandchild, maybe, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> so I want to leave you with another word besides grace that has changed my life, and that's the word loving-kindness. And there's this, Spurgeon was a, um, a famous pastor in the 1800s, and he's trying to get his congregation to understand what the word loving kindness means. So he said this, and I want you to go there with me. He says, congregation, I want you to imagine a little boy on a bicycle that falls and he's not moving. So kindness is when the bystanders come up and try to help him. Kindness is the ambulance, the doctors, the nurses. But loving kindness is when the mom shows up. 
and the mother type love of God. John uh, alluded to it. It is so powerful, and this is what he says. And I'm going to end with this. If I can find the verse. He says, and this is for each one of us today, uh, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, with loving kindness, with cords of love, I have drawn you to myself. That's the mother love of God who draws each one of us to the throne room of grace to get exactly what we need. And he's here for you today to really grab a hold of his love and know that he's lassoing you and pulling you into himself. Thank you. Thank you so much, Barbara. What a powerful word. Do you believe it, though? Because Hannah had to believe that God loved her more than her circumstances were saying. All of her circumstances were saying God hates you and clearly loves the other wife more than you. Did you guys, did you guys believe what Barbara just shared with us? That his loving kindness wants to reach right past your circumstances, right past the lies, right past all of those words that have been spoken to you, some of us, from before we were even born and wants you to put his word before those other words. He wants you to take his word first. What are you giving more weight in your lives? That loving kindness, that chesed as it is in the Hebrew, are you giving that more weight in your life? Or are all the other things convincing you you have no worth or no value or you're spending your time, maybe even here at church, trying to curry favor with God? Let me tell you, you don't need to. You don't gotta earn it. You don't gotta deserve it. You just gotta receive it. A child doesn't have to earn their love from their mother. The mother just says, you're my child, therefore you are loved. And if, if Barbara could work through all of those things in her history, in her family, there's nothing our God can't get you through. There's nothing he can't heal you from. And I'm so thankful for, for Barbara, not just for that word, but also for the fact that she has given us that legacy of talking to Jesus, the same thing we see with Hannah, that God has promised. We're going to take his promise more than whatever our circumstances are saying. We're going to dedicate ourselves to taking all the words to God first. Secondly, we're going to dedicate ourselves to taking God at his word first. And finally, dedicated to keeping our word to God first. I had asked Barbara to, to share. She prayerfully asked the Lord if she should. God said yes. I'm thankful that she did, but here's what I'm really thankful for. She showed up. Like, what if she had said, absolutely, I'll be there, and then there was a no-show? I'd be, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I'm in trouble. I was really counting on, on Barbara coming and sharing a word from the Lord, right? How many of us, though, do that to God? Here's Hannah making a deal with God. God, if you'll just give me a baby, I'll give him back to you. She raised him, weans the child, and then at any point she could have absolutely justified and said, you know, but God has enough kids. Eli has enough help at the temple. I, how fair, it's not even fair. I, I, I'm gonna keep Samuel to myself. But no, she kept her word to the Lord. 1 Samuel 1, 25 through 28, after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked, I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. 
And she kindly doesn't mention, and you thought I was drunk. She doesn't mention that. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request, and now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. My mom shared with me when she was a young Christian, and, and, and she had me, and she had read this about Hannah, and she felt like when she read this, that God was saying, I want you to give John into my hands, and she freaked out. And she said she cried and wrestled with the Lord for weeks until she was able to get some spiritual guidance from a pastor, because she thought that if I'm, she's handing her son over to the Lord, that she's not going to get me back. In these days, that's not true. But in this day, that was exactly true. Samuel was not coming home. She brought Samuel, and Samuel stayed there to serve in the temple. How many of us would be willing to do that, to take the most precious thing we've ever been given, the families that were up here that we got to dedicate to their children to the Lord? Uh, Don't worry, you guys don't have to leave your children here. There may be some point where you want to leave your children here, we have a great child care back there, children's ministry back there. But you guys get to take your child with you. But that's what Hannah is doing, and yet she was able to follow through, keeping her word to God. Now, here's our community builder discussion question. You won't receive the next thing God has for you until you follow through with the first thing you committed to. Should I repeat that? You won't receive the next thing God has for you until you follow through with the first thing you committed to. What is that point of obedience for you? Here's the amazing thing. After she brought Samuel to the Lord, she, she had no more promise of any other children. Not only did God bless her with one more child, God blessed her with five more children. And Cindy and I are well aware of what a blessing that is. Right on? <laughs> Five children. I mean, she didn't receive that, though, until she followed through with what she had first committed to. I'm wondering, I'm just wondering, what is God waiting for you to follow through with so that he can release even more because you can't outgive God, but God does hold us to our word. Our word, our covenant, our promise actually matters a whole lot to him. And in a world where people are just spouting off whatever they need to say in order to get the deal done, we're a covenant people. We do things differently. Our word is our bond. If we say it, we do it. Because we serve a God who, when he says it, he does it. What's first determines what's next. He's not asking you to follow through because he wants to torture you, but because he wants to train you. He doesn't want to berate you. He wants to bless you. There's no drive-by guiltings here this morning. Barbara talked about mom guilt. If you're feeling that, that is not from the Lord. This is not about you should do better. No, this is about I'm just going to talk to Jesus. What's first determines what's next. And this, this picture here of I don't, I don't know how old I am at this point, but I'm hoping that, um, I'm, hoping that I'm rethinking my life choices, at least my, my haircut choices, because by this point I should have definitely gone with something besides a bowl cut. And my mom, was, she was right. I was so strong-willed that even if I didn't think that was the best look for me, I was going to get it anyways because that was my, cho- my choice. And I'm wondering how many of us are walking around with a bowl cut when God wants to give us something so much more. Right? He's like, I can change this now in your life. And doesn't, haven't you heard your mom say this? If you don't do it now, then when are you going to do it? 
I'll make the bed later. If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? I'll wash the dishes later. If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it, right? If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? This is God's word to us. He wants to release blessing in your life through his loving kindness. But you must follow through with what he's already asked you to do in order to receive what he has for you. Dedicated to taking all the words to God first. Dedicated to taking God at his word first. Finally, dedicated to keeping our word to God first. How do we do that? Just talk to Jesus. You know, he's here. He's right where you're watching at home. He's not limited by time or space, but his presence is where his people are at. Now, they had to take Samuel to the temple to be in the presence of God, but you are his temple. He is right here. I want to ask you, maybe, maybe you don't have the spiritual discipline of journaling. You know what this is? This is just talking to Jesus. It's the legacy that Barbara has passed on to her children. It's a legacy my mom passed on to me. It's a legacy Cindy is passing on to her boys. It really is the best thing we can pass on to the next generation. How to talk to Jesus, how to have a relationship with him. We're not passing on religion. That's not going to change anything. It's passing on relationship. We're not perfect at it. But I want to invite you to talk to Jesus today. And you know what the best thing you can get for your mom? If you're one of those last-minute shoppers and you're like, right after church, I'm going to get her something. Good luck, by the way. All the flowers were completely gone at Costco yesterday. Not that I waited till yesterday. But, um, <laughs> but the best thing you can get your mom for Mother's Day is an authentic relationship with Jesus. I promise you, that's what she wants for her kids. Everyone.